Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. We exist to lead people to the abundant life in Christ. For a great way to stay connected throughout the week, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. That's awesome. Come on, would you give it up one more time for Ivan Bailey? All right, so we got to keep it going because we've got to wish all the dads Happy Father's Day this weekend. Come on, say Happy Father's Day to all the dads. And if your arms aren't tired, let's welcome everybody here for the first time and everybody watching online. So thankful that you're with us. So good to have you. You guys, be, be seated, be seated. Welcome to week three of the playlist where we take songs and just use the lyrics to connect us to God's word and this week's song is a song called Arms Wide Open by the band Creed and just a a beautiful song and wanted to honor Father's Day this weekend and I want to I want to preach a men I preach a message for men and I want to preach on being a dad and being a father but I'm just so thankful for all of the dads and all of the men in our church, but I've got one specifically here. My own dad is in the room tonight. Would you just welcome him and say thank you? Uh, I don't even know where he's sitting, but I don't. To say I wouldn't be here without him is a, is an understatement. Uh, not just physically in this world, but in, on this platform, preaching the gospel. It's the result of over 40 years of faithfulness and ministry by my father, and I stand on his shoulders and. He's raised three boys, and we're all doing our, living our lives, and, and we're standing on a, a legacy that was handed to us, a godly legacy, and I'm so thankful for it. And if you have a godly legacy, be grateful for it. If you don't have a godly legacy, you're starting it. You've got one going now, like you're, you're, you're building for the future, and so thankful for you, and uh, we honor and love all of the all of the dads. That song was written by uh, the leader of the band Creed uh, when he found out that he was going to have his first child. And he wrote that song about welcoming his first child with arms wide open. And uh, I want to just talk about, uh, and, and I'm going to preach about men, but I think it's going to be for everybody. So 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. Paul says this He says, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. And I love this little phrase. Act like men. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. And I want to I want to preach a message this weekend called The Making of a Man. I don't know if you've ever thought about what it is that that makes a man. A man, but I want to just unpack a, a little bit from the Bible about what God's word would direct us about what is the making of a man. And whenever you talk about manliness, whenever you talk about being a man, there'll always be things that we associate with with manliness. What is it that makes us a man? Is it is it our athleticism? I played, not, not to brag or impress you, but I played two years of junior college baseball. 
Juco baseball. It was, it was impressive. The, the older I get, the better I was. My, my legend grows in my own mind. I, I just, I was, I was an amazing athlete. And, uh, and uh, you know, when it, when it comes to being a man, like what is it that God is, is looking for? Like when we get to when we get to heaven, is Jesus going to be like, you're you're a man, right? And you're kind of like, well, Lord, I, th- I thought so. You know, I didn't. I, I think so. Jesus is like, well, you know, before I let you into heaven, I need to see you throw this football. <laughs> and you're like, Lord, my my arms a little rusty. You know, I don't. I don't. Jesus is like, I need to see a twenty yard tight spiral, or you're not getting in. You know, it's like, how is it that God is going to measure? Like, what is the measure of a man? Okay, you're an athlete on the field, but can we drop you off in the woods and you can find game and hunt and be able to hunt an animal? Or if we, okay, you can do that. Can we take you down to a, a, an auto shop? Can you, can you repair a car? Can you pull an engine? Can you do all of that stuff? Okay, well, okay, well, let's take you to the, to the gym. How much can you, how much can you squat? How much can you bench press? Like, how, how how is it that we, we measure what a man is? What is it that makes you a man? And the truth is, is society will try to put pressure on you, but God's word is going to try to put purpose on you. Society is going to try to say what, and by the way, what what society says a man is, is changes over time. Over over a hundred years ago, the color pink was manly and the color blue was purple, was, uh, was, was feminine. They felt like the color pink was more vibrant and bold, so they attached it to boys, and the color blue was uh, more soft and pastel, so they attached it to girls, and then just randomly, no one knows why, somebody just flipped it, and now it's like you have a boy, now it's blue, and now it's pink, and, and, and society will try to define what it is that, that, a, that a man is, and it's, it's why I love, I love David from the Bible, because he, he embraces this, this idea or this understanding that, that almost makes us uncomfortable. Because David at one point is like crying, like writing songs, singing, pouring his heart out to God, playing a harp. I don't know that there's anything less manly than playing a harp. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's, it, it, there may not be anything less manly. And... But if you're tempted to be like, you know, hey, David, you're a sissy, you know, you're, you're, you're a wimp, then he'll take his sword out and just go slaughter a bunch of people on the battlefield, and you're like, yeah, David, you're good. You're, you're, you're awesome, man. I got you. It, was, it, it messes with our idea of what a man is. Like D- David was a man. He was a man after God's own heart, the Bible calls it. But he, his heart was soft. And there'd be moments that he's in tears, pouring his emotions out to God, which in our society would not be associated with manliness, but he was fully what God wanted him to be. And people always try to attach things to men. And, and if we're not careful, our idea of, of manliness comes from the world and it doesn't come from what God says about us. And people try to attach things to, to men, like men love bacon. You know who else loves bacon? Anybody with functioning taste buds loves bacon. 
Like, if you have taste buds, you love bacon. But it's like, it's... It's the things that we step into and without, without a filter, without, without the Bible, then, then we're actually putting our perspective on what the world has given us on not, and not on what God gives us. And so what is, it, what is it that makes a man? Number one is this, God made you a man. And this is really powerful, but you don't have to qualify it. You don't have to prove it. You don't have to earn it. You, you don't have to do anything to say that you're a man. You know what made you a man? God made you a man. When you came into the world and you were a man, God had already said that this is who you are and God is a good designer and you don't have to live up to the world's standard of manliness. You don't have to live up to somebody else's standard of manliness. You don't have to live up to a negative expectation of what a man should be. You just have to receive an identity that when God created me, he created me to be the me that I am supposed to be. He didn't make a mistake. It wasn't an accident. And if God made you a man, then God made you a man. You don't have to prove any of it. You're just a man. You're not, you're not toxic. You're, he didn't make a mistake. It's just who God created you to be. And if we're not careful, we'll put pressure on performance of living up to something that God never set for us. God made you a man. And, and masculinity, as you, as you look at the narrative of the Bible, as you take in the totality of the word of God, masculinity, masculinity is, a, is a design. It's part of the design that God gave us. And God set the design at the very beginning. Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Did you catch that? God created man. He created, and that's not the masculine. It's not just saying masculine. It's another way to say it is God created people. Another way to say it is God created mankind. God created humanity. Everybody tracking with me so far that, that God created humanity, created people or what we would call humanity. And humanity is its own category. It's different than the animal life. We're not like the animals. God gave us a higher nature. God, we're not like the plant life. God gave us a different nature. We're not like the material world. God created us. We have an eternal soul that there is the humanity. And here's the thing that we have to understand, whether you're male or female, we're all equal in our humanity. That there, we're equal in our humanity, but within the category of humanity, God created two divisions called male and female. So we're equal in our humanity, but we're distinct in our sexuality and our identity. So there is this distinction. So God, God, made us a man, God made you a man. And number two is this, God made men distinct. He, he put a distinction on men. It's why I love the Bible would say something that really is countercultural today, and that is act like men. <laughs> Like it, 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 in our world, like that idea of acting like a man would, would not necessarily jive politically in the climate that we're in, but the Bible just recognizes that there is a distinction between men and women, that there, there is a distinction. Men are distinct, and ladies, you, you can understand, it's the opposite is true as well. Women are distinct from men. God put the distinction there that we are to have our own distinct identity, we all have equal worth 
to God, but we don't have equal distinction. That The distinction is our design, and God created men and women to be complementary of one another, to, to, to complement each other. And it's like, a, it's like a lock and a key. A key is useless without a lock, and a lock is useless without a key. They were meant to be one unit. They were meant to be one thing, and they, they, they are the opposite, but they, have, they come to place where they, com- where they com- complement and complete each other because at the end of the day, we were designed to be one with each other, and what sin does is God designed the world to complement and to complete, and sin causes us to want to have competition with one another. It wants us to have this competition where it's one against the other. It's this rebellion. And that's why the Bible says, Paul says, act like men. What's he saying? He's saying, have, you, you're, you're a man, have a manly distinction, have a manly perspective. And it's, it's no slight against women, no more than reading Proverbs 31 and finding out that God wants there to be strong women who are full of confidence and have wisdom and are entrepreneurial. Like if you go read Proverbs 31, it's talking about a, a wise woman who's building her house. It's, it's no it's no competition for a man. It's God saying, hey, you're, you're a woman. I made you a woman. Be distinct, and you can have this. It's no different than when God creates a man. You're a man. Be a man. Be strong. Stand firm in the faith. And what sin does, sin causes rebellion, and then God, the world turns what God intended to complement. It starts to compete, and then we try to dominate one another, and we never get to the place that God wants us to be. And we need both male and female perspectives because God created humanity, but he's the one that put the distinctives, which is why I'm really thankful for every woman that serves in our children's ministry. But what happens is, is we think child, that children's ministry is childcare. It's not childcare. We are ministering and we are raising up the next generation of world changers. And then, yeah, go ahead. That's all right. And then what happens it's for whatever reason, it's like it's child care. So it's going to be women who are going to go lead the charge in child care. And I'm so proud of our church because if you go visit our kids ministry, you'll find out that it's not just women who are ministering. Thank God for all the women who are ministering. But we don't just need a female perspective raising up our children. We need a male perspective. That it's not one or the other. It's not a competition. That's, that's rebellion. That's, that's sin. It's, it's trying to dominate or one trying to be better. No, God said, I created humanity. You have worth. You have value. You came from me. I saw you. I created humanity. And then I'm the one that made the distinction. And one is the lock and one is the key, but you are complete together. Don't try to argue. You are the opposite so that you can complement. And I'm so thankful in our children's ministry that they don't just get a female perspective and they don't just get a male perspective. They get a humanity perspective perspective that you're this is what a woman is and this is what a man is come on can we say thank God for everybody that serves in our children's ministry thank you thank you for what you do So I don't want to I don't want to slight the women, but a lot of times in church it's women leading the way in children's ministry. So thank specifically thank you to all the men who are teaching our children who are who are leading. We need women in ministry. Some people don't like that, but we need women in ministry because we need the perspective of both. God gave us both. And it's not complete without both distinctions. And here's what happens is we lose our value when we lose our identity. 
when we lose the identity of who God created us to be. And it doesn't mean that, that, you know, Paul says, act like men, be strong, be courageous, stand firm in the faith. And it's like, you know, what, women, what, there can't be strong women. Women can't stand firm in the faith. No, y- you can act like a woman and you can be a strong woman and you can be strong, a strong woman in the faith and you can be a strong woman of courage. What Paul is saying is you're a man. Now show what courage looks like in the masculine perception. Does this make sense? Show what, masculine, show what masculine courage looks like. Show what it looks like for a man to stand firm in the faith. Show what it looks like for a man to have courage. One is at the enemy of the other. We both have our value and we find our value in our identity in who God created us to be. God made men and then God made men to fulfill distinct purposes, distinct things. And I I don't know that this is a a complete list, but I want to just give you a, a few things that the Bible pointedly says for men. Like how, what is the making of a man? If it's not, I love bacon, which everybody loves bacon, and like, man, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not a hunter, and I'm not a, I'm, I don't fish, and I'm not into sports. So like, I must not be a man. Well, here's the good news: none of those are the qualifications of what God says a man is. So, what's the making of a man? God made you a man already. God gave you a design, and then God made men. For something specific, God made men for marriage. You were created to be the husband of a wife. And there, there, there are instances in the Bible where there might be people who, who don't have a desire for sexual intimacy, so marriage isn't in their future but that's, that's always, you know, people read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul talks about remaining single and people read that as a rule. That's, that's a permission, that's not a rule. That there is something, Jesus talked about spiritual eunuchs and there are people who, who just have no interest in sex. And I, every time I meet a young single man, I like to speak that over their life. You're probably a spiritual eunuch. You're just never gonna have sex in your whole life. They don't, they don't receive it very well for most of them. Just like, I'll prophesy that over you. I just, all the single people, Jesus is coming back before you have sex. Just, I just like. But there's what, they're what we call spiritual, they just dedicate their lives. They're, they're, there's no desire. Here's. Like, how do I know if I'm a spiritual eunuch? If you desire intimacy, if you want to get married, then you're not a spiritual eunuch. It's the, the, the simplicity of it. If, if you have a sex drive, that's not God's plan for you. God's plan for you then is for you to get married. And your distinction, and I want you to notice this, God made you a man. God made you distinct, and your distinction is part of God's design. Genesis 2.24, watch this, it says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. God gave the distinction and the design so that there could be dominion, so that there could be a, a, a design on the earth that would create a world where humanity could have dominion. And I'm gonna come back to this in a minute because there is something 
that when we mess up the design that we get into, but I found this definition of dominion not long ago, and it's, it's to build a world that is suitable and enjoyable to humanity. That, that when we live by God's design, God, it gives us the ability to have dominion. And the foundational piece of the world that God was creating was the foundational piece of marriage. And I want you to understand that the idea of being a husband is an identity that God gives us for our lives. And we're struggling in our society because we've removed marriage out of the equation and we're building a society that's built on sex. Because if you, if you lose your identity, then you lose your value in who you are and then you find all the wrong things in your world to try to satisfy your life. And here's the thing is sex is a great gift, but it's a poor identity. And what we're doing in our lives, in our society, is we are building our identity around our sexuality, not recognizing that our identity is supposed to be built on a God design, and that sex, sex is the gift, it's not the identity. It's a great gift, but it's a poor identity. And it's like going to a birthday party. A birthday party's awesome, and you give gifts, but if you remove the person that's having a birthday party, and you're no longer celebrating the person, then the gifts just become become meaningless and they become shallow and they have no purpose it's just completely transactional and there's nothing but when somebody when the when there's a birthday boy there when there's a birthday girl there then the gifts have meaning it's valuable this this has meaning and what we've done is we've removed the person from the birthday party but we're still trying to celebrate the gifts and we've got it all backwards we need to understand that God called us to be husbands and wives ladies God called you to be a wife but you've got to put it in the proper context that's why Proverbs says sex is like a fire that it, it, that who can take this into their bosom and into their chest and not get burned fire in the right context is incredibly powerful put it in a fireplace it's awesome go out in the woods make sure it stays in a campfire it's great you put it in the fireplace it's awesome if it starts spreading around the living room you've got trouble in other words if you put it in the right context then it has power if you put it in the wrong context then it is destructive and it'll burn your house down And what we've done as a culture is we've taken the campfire and we've set the whole woods on fire and we're wondering why it's destructive, but here's the power. You ready for this? The right identity will help you keep it as a gift and not a purpose. The right identity will make sure that it's a blessing and not an identity and it'll keep it in the right place. And what we haven't trained people to understand is you weren't created for sexuality. You were created to be a husband, to a wife, and God gave you that gift as something to combine and to unite a husband to a wife. And if you don't understand it, that identity will begin to rob you. But if you'll get the right identity, it'll protect the God design in your life. Like if you're married, God created you for marriage and he created you to be a husband. If you're a single young man, you may not be a husband yet, but God has called you to be a husband. So you need to protect it and you need to cherish it. And if you get the wrong identity, then you'll set your whole house on fire. But if you'll get the right identity, it'll be something beautiful that God gives you in your life and watch this without the right identity we have all the wrong metrics that's why sometimes we can work so hard so hard to feel successful to feel fulfilled 
But come on, if you got the right identity, then you get the right metrics. I'm going to measure my life. And sometimes as men, we're working so hard to succeed outside of the home. And can I tell you, your biggest place of success isn't anywhere outside of your home. The biggest place of success is right in your own home with your own wife, your own family. The, the place that God has for you. And the formation of a marriage then creates the formation of, of an authority structure. So God, God is the designer. He put there to be a distinction. And then he created you for something. Created you for marriage unless he didn't. I'll prophesy that over you. And then out of, it said, leaves father and mother and, and is joined. It creates a covenant. It creates an authority and the formation of a marriage is the formation of an authority structure that God designed on the earth. And by the way, it represents Christ and the church. The, the husband and wife represents Christ and the church. And that, that union is the formation of, of a new authority structure called the family. And here's the fourth thing is God made men for family. What's the making of a man? The making of a man is that God created you to be a father. And I want you to notice something. You ready for this? God describes himself as a husband to the collective people, the bride. And God says that he's our father. You ready for this? God shares his identity with men. It's not that he doesn't share it with women as well. They came from him. But the identity that that. God gives us is, is, is a reflection of his glory, of his own identity. I'm going to be a husband to my people. I'm going to be a father. And I'm going to treat you like children. And how many of you know that if we don't, if we don't get that right, then it's going to be hard to get everything else right? Because God's trying to reflect in a world that is trying to create an image of what a man should be, athletic or strong, Come on, God's already given us an image of what a man should be. That's a, that's a husband and a father. It's, it's to reflect who he is. And it's, it's on the foundation of family, on the foundation of marriage that we, that we build a family. And, and I read something the other day that, that was so interesting to me. And it said, the first school that kids go to is family. It's where we learn to respect authority. It's where we learn appropriate behavior. It's where we learn quickly to never say that again. Like I will know, like I got quickly corrected on that one. I will not say that word again. You know what I mean? It's where we learn values. Like our, our, our values come from our family. It's where, it's where we should be taught the faith of Jesus Christ. Family is the, is the first school. And, and part of the problem that we're experiencing in our, in our society today is that we've, refer, we've, we've removed the first school and we've put everything that was supposed to happen in the first school in the second school. And I, and I understand that, that 
parents are struggling with how to educate our children in a, in a world that doesn't share our values. And I, and I pray for you. I pray God gives you the wisdom to, to navigate your kids and make sure. But can I just caution you and say that it, 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 in a world where maybe we're struggling on how do we educate our kids the right way, let's don't devalue education. Let's just understand that school is a great, like, that's where they should learn math and science and grammar and read great literature and learn about art and be on sports teams and find out you're good but not that good so if you want to be better than that guy you better start practicing a little hard that's all good for kids but here's the problem is sometimes there's a negative view of school but it's unfair to teachers because teachers are not only trying to be teachers they're trying to be moms and dads because we haven't taught them values in the home. And I just want to tell you, the reason that, 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 that this is happening is because we've got to understand that the first school is family. That's where we set values. That's where we teach faith. That's where we instruct. That's where we correct. That's where we raise up our kids. The second school is where they go learn about art and science and math, and they're trained and instructed. There's value in both, but let's don't blame one if we don't want to take responsibility for the first. Like, it begins... In the hope. It begins with family. Like that's that's the challenge that we're experiencing is one is breaking the other and we've got to recognize the value but it's built on something Malachi 4 verses 5 through 6 says behold I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction what what do we need? We need God to move and revive an identity. And that is, I was created to be a husband and I was created to be a father and there's no higher calling. There's no higher purpose. There's no greater sense of achievement or success. This is my identity. And when I'm a husband and I'm a father, I'm standing in a place where I am reflecting to my family that you have a greater husband and you have a greater father. And it doesn't say children will turn to the fathers. It says fathers will turn to the children and then the children will turn to the fathers. When culture moves away from God, it leads to destruction. He said, if it's not going to happen, then it's going to go to destruction. But watch this. If you'll be a husband, if you'll be a father, there will not be destruction. There'll be Genesis. There will be dominion in your life. There's going to be dominion. And can we just take a minute for every dad, every father, can we say thank you? We honor you. We love you. We value you. You're the, you're the tangible proof. You're, you're the tangible proof of the presence of God. No perfect dads, but come on, we can be present dads. And then here's the fifth thing, and this is where I want to challenge you a little bit. Men were made for worship. For worship. To be in a place where our hearts are touched by God. 1 Timothy 2.8, and and, and this this isn't like the Bible referring to everything masculine. This is pointedly to men. 1 Timothy 2.8, I desire then that in every place the men, the men should pray, lifting holy hands. Can women lift holy hands? Absolutely. 
But Paul said, here's my prayer, is that there would be some men leading the way spiritually. Lifting holy hands, watch this, without anger or quarreling. And, and none, of the, none of the other things, like I, I was created a man, I don't have to prove it, I'm just a man. God did that. I don't have to prove it, God already proved it. I'm, I'm distinct in my masculinity. It's, it's not an enemy or an opposition of the opposite sex, it's a completion. But none of the other things, I was created to be a husband, I was created to be a father. But listen to me, none of those other things line up until we realize our first purpose isn't to be a husband and to be a dad. Our first purpose is to be a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that God has given a distinctive on men. But he said, I want you to lift up holy hands. (laughs) I want you to do it without anger or quarreling. Like the world has this phrase called toxic masculinity. Like how does, how does masculinity get toxic? It's, anything not, it's because anything not under authority will be abusive in its authority. And being a, being a husband is a call to, to lead your family. Being a father is, is a call to, to, be under, to be in authority and, and have a place of authority in your life, to be an authority structure, to be an, a leader in an authority structure called marriage and the family. But the health of your authority is determined by the depth of your surrender. And if there's no surrender, then there is no real authority. And that's how masculinity gets abusive because toxic masculinity is any form of masculinity that is not surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. It turns it turns toxic come on stand with me all over the room stand with me and what is Paul without 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 anger and without quarreling it's it's the place of the depth of our surrender and listen to me that there, there is this idea there is toxic masculinity it is a form of masculinity that's shaped by the identity of the world and it's like this is what a man a man is strong and a a, a man takes the lead and a man does all of this stuff listen I, that's that's the world here's here's God's version of a man you're a husband and you're a father and you are a surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and the depth of your surrender determines the power of your authority and Paul said I pray men everywhere come on would lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting without anger or quarreling would stand in a place of leading the example come on all across this room could we lift up could we lift up holy hands come on this is your dominion this is your posture of strength. This is how you show your family how strong you are. This is how you lead your family. This is where loving your wife begins. This is where being, listen, there's a lot more than this. There is. But this is where being the man God always called you to be comes from. This is where identity begins. This is where purpose is established. This is where call is received. This is where God begins to do his work from the inside out. Come on, all across this room. Father, we love you. We praise you. 
We stand in this room, men and women, boys and girls. We stand in this room and we declare the, the strength of our authority is in the depth of our surrender. And we crown you as King of kings and Lord of lords. And greater than any identity in the world, we want to set an identity for our families. That we are husbands that are under the leadership and the lordship of Jesus Christ. That we are fathers who are imperfectly pursuing a perfect God. And I thank you for every, every man. I pray we're strong on the outside. But I pray our hearts are soft towards God on the inside. I pray we're courageous. My goodness, I feel the presence of God. I pray we're courageous. But I pray we're surrendered. God, we receive your design. And our dominion isn't in our bank account. Our dominion isn't in all of our achievements. Our dominion is right here with hands lifted. We reign through our relationship with you. We reign through our purpose, our identity, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, would you give God praise? I love the words of the song. With arms wide open. The, the image of this singer, this band leader, rock star, wanting to welcome his first child into the world. And one of the problems that we have is God said, I'll be a father to you. And then in many instances, we live in a world where we just haven't seen the example of a good father. So the, the picture that we have of a father is one who's angry with us or perpetually displeased with us or one that's absent from us, not interested in our lives. But here's the thing I want you to understand is all of us in this room, we are, we are most definitely imperfect fathers. But the God of heaven is a perfect father. He is a good father. And what you feel in this room, that presence, there's what this, the Bible calls this the, the spirit of adoption. What does that mean? That means God isn't trying to reject you. God is standing there with arms wide open, wanting to receive you into his family. And maybe you're in a place where you're, you're not a part of the family of God. Maybe you're don't have an identity as a child of God. Can I give you a picture of what God is? God is a perfect father, excited, anticipating, wanting to welcome you into the family of God. That's the father that you have, that he wants to welcome you. Like, man, you don't know how, 
what I've done. You don't know how far off I am. I'm so thankful for the Word of God because the Word of God talks about a son that was a prodigal that had wasted everything the father had given him, had gone away from home. And you know what he found out when he decided to come home? I'll come home. I'll be a servant. I'll just, I'll just see if my dad will give me a job as being a servant in his house. But he found out, no, we have a God who wants to welcome you with arms wide open. He wants to bring you into his house. He wants to put a ring on your finger. He wants to put a robe on your back. He wants to put shoes on your feet. He wants to give you sonship. He wants to give you daughtership because he's a God that is not against you. He is a God that is for you. He's not a God that's angry at you. He's a God that loves you. He's not a God that's wanting to pour out wrath and judgment. He's a God that wants to receive you with his grace. If you can get a picture, maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you don't feel like you're part of the family of God. If you could get a picture of God, it's with arms wide open. Saying, I'll receive you. I'll receive you. Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, I'll I'll cover your sin. I'll cover your shame. I'll, I'll pay your debt. It's forgiven. You can have forgiveness. I want to receive you. Come all across this room. I want to pray a prayer for those that need to come home, need need to begin a relationship, who need to allow God. Listen, you've just got to allow him. He will adopt you. He will receive you. He will welcome you into his family. You just got to let him do it. We're going to pray a prayer. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of receiving what God is doing in this moment all across this room. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus or you need to begin again, let me pray for you. I want everybody to say this prayer out loud, but I believe with all of my heart that somebody is receiving God in such a personal and intimate way that you'll be able to refer to him as a father. That that's the relationship you'll have. That you'll run to the father when you get in trouble. That when you fall, you won't, you won't wallow in shame. You'll get up and you'll go to your Father and He'll forgive you in grace. Come on, I, I believe this is somebody's moment to receive a place in the family of God. Say this prayer. Everybody say this prayer with me online. Say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive you now. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my past. Wash away my sin make me a new person today I receive you as my leader and my Lord and I'll never be the same in Jesus name and everybody said amen come on can we give God some praise in the room yeah come on give God some praise in the room listen Online in this room, if you just prayed that prayer, I'm gonna I'm gonna count to three, and when I get to three, I just want you to do a quick action because our church family wants to be able to truly say, "Welcome to the family of God." Like you have a you have a family, you are part of a family. God is our Father, and together we are the family of God. And if you're online, I just when I get to three, I just want you to type Jesus and. There's members of our online community that want to say welcome. And in this room, if you just prayed that prayer to receive Jesus, to let God receive you. When I get to three, would you just raise your hand? Our church family wants to say welcome to the family of God. You ready, Coast Life Church? Come on. On the count of three, if that was you, one, two. If that was you, three. Would you just raise your hand and say, tonight I prayed that prayer. Tonight I declare God is my father. I'm a child of God. Come on, lift it up if that was you online. 
Hey, come on, give them a great hand. Say welcome to the family of God. Hey, thank you for joining us, and a special thank you to those of you who give so faithfully and generously to this church. It's because of people like you that podcasts like this are possible, and you can click the link in the description to give now, or you can visit mycoastlifechurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you subscribed, share it with your friends. So thank you for listening, and God bless you.